from the Gospel of John, chapter 15, beginning with verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes, and he prunes every branch that produces fruit, so that it will produce more. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I in you, just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you cannot do anything without me. If anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown aside like a branch and he withers. They gather them, throw them into the fire, and they are burned. Amen. So the scriptures here this morning tells us that we are connected together if we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. That all of us are part of the same vine. We're just different branches. And the scriptures remind us this morning that for us to have a life that produces good things, that we are to stay connected with the vine. That we are to stay connected in Christ. So how do I do that? What is, what is the aspect of Christ's teaching that brings us all together as different branches into the one vine? The aspect of Christ's teaching is the gospel that he has presented to us in the scriptures. The good news of what Christ did for us on the cross. The good news as to why he lived his life and suffered the same types of temptations that you and I have. And he was able to endure the suffering of the cross for your sins and for my sins. It is the gospel that connects us to that vine. It is the good news of the message of Jesus Christ. So for us to produce the fruit in our lives that the scriptures tell us this morning here that we are supposed to do, we need to understand the gospel. We need to understand that good news that binds us together, that makes us one in Christ, that makes us the body of believers, the church that God wants us to be. And understanding that gospel first and foremost, which we need to understand, it's a principle that we just cannot escape, and that is that we are to love one another. And I know you've heard that many times before from other types of preachers and chaplains and things that you have read, that we are to love, 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 love each other. And I don't think we can get enough of that type of teaching to remind us that we are to love one another. For you see, in the gospel of Jesus Christ, that is the center point of what God did through his Son. Is that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whomsoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So God's love for us is the centerpiece of that gospel. So you and I are to love each other, and many times it does contradict who we are, doesn't it? It contradicts who we are as human beings. It is so difficult at times to love other people. 
Especially when they are not doing the things that we want them to do. Especially when they do things the opposite of what we want them to do. It is difficult to love people when they don't agree with us, when they don't like us, when they even hate us. But God reminds us that we are to love them. And all we have to do is think about our own personal relationship that we have with God through Jesus Christ. Because God loves us unconditionally. And that is the centerpiece of the gospel, the unconditional love that God has for us. And it is so hard to love unconditionally. To love not with some type of stipulation or some type of agreement or some type of understanding. But yet, that, how, that is how God loves us. And as followers of Jesus Christ, we are to be the model of that love. And once again, we are not going to be perfect in that love. But we are not never to give up on that love, that desire for us to love each other unconditionally. And more times we're going to get it wrong than right, but yet we are to continue. We are to continue to make that the first and foremost part effort in our lives, to love each other unconditionally. And it requires for us to have patience, a part of something that is greater than ourselves. And I think all of us want to have that same kind of connectedness as the scriptures tell us this morning, to be a part of something. The gospel of Jesus Christ gives us the opportunity to be a branch of a vine that is represented throughout this world. Not just here in our city or in our state or in our nation, but it gives us the opportunity to be something far greater, the church of Jesus Christ, which is around the world be part of something greater than ourselves. And then in that, we see that we have fulfillment. We have that purpose. And even though our part might be small, it is still an important part. It's still a valid part. Because you and I, and the little things that we do, add up to a lot. You and I can change the world in which we are a part of, a little bit at a time. And we may not ever see the end result of what we do, but yet we know that we are a part of something greater than ourselves because the scriptures tell us that we are. We are part of that greater vine, the greater vine of the church of Jesus Christ. And God wants to be a part of that. And as we see within our own lives, as our patience begins to grow, even though at times it seems that it's slow going, and it seems that we only have a little growth, but then we see that we have more growth. One of the things that we have at our home is we have a growth chart. And we've had that growth chart ever since our kids were kids. And now they're big kids. And now when the grandkids come over, Grandma takes them and sees how they measure up on the growth cart to compare them in terms of where they're moms were, or where their dads were at the same age. And in the same time, you and I have that growth chart of patience that God wants us to have. And I don't know how my patience is going, but I think it's getting better. I, I think I am growing. I hope I am. God, I know that 
There might be people out there that are going to try to make me stumble. There are going to be people out there that say I am worth nothing, that I'm, I'm totally unsuccessful, that I'm totally meaningless. But God, I know that you are with me. Because I am part of something greater than myself. I am part of the vine that you have made me a branch of. I am part of the vine of Jesus Christ and the gospel and the good news that you have given me. And then we see as we have that purpose, that motivation that God wants us to have for us to live our lives the way God has always intended. To get back on the right road that he wants us to be on. To fulfill the things that God has always intended for us to fulfill. It's never too late to make your life better. It's never too late to change your life. It's never too late to get on the path, on the road that God wants you to be on. It's never too late to live free and to have that liberty that God wants us to have. It's never too late to grow in patience. It's never too late to have that forgiveness in your life. It's never too late to miss that understanding. It's never too late to no longer have compassion. And that's what he wants us to have. He wants to have a life in which you and I produce the things that God wants us to produce. That unconditional love, that grace, that compassion. The message of your life is given to other people every time you have contact with others. Do you realize that? The message of your life is given every time you have contact with someone else. Anytime. And when we don't feel up to love, when we don't have that sense of compassion, when we're having a difficult morning, you know what? That's okay. And we go back to the vine. We go back to the fact that as a branch, you and I are connected to that vine of the good news of Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus Christ. And then we say, okay God, forgive me for just allowing my own selfish nature for taking over. Forgive me for just demanding my own way. Forgive me for my arrogance and my pride because I thought I could handle it on my own and I didn't need any help. I've been here before, God. I don't need you to help me. I can take care of it on my own. And God says, you know what? That's okay. Because I am always here for you. And any time we walk away from God, God has the Holy Spirit in our lives to remind us that he wants us to come back. He's always wanting us to be a part of his life and for him to be a part of our lives. Because we are connected in that vine because of what, we're, what we represent in Christ being that branch. And then we see as we do those things that we just have that sense of peace, of abiding in Christ. The things that we do in our lives all of a sudden have more meaning and purpose than we ever thought. We have a sense of productivity, not as the world understands productivity, but just within our own lives helping ourselves and helping others because we have that sense of dignity that you and I have in Christ. That dignity and respect that God has for us that we can't get anywhere else. I don't know about you, but 
I always like to be respected. Whether it's with my children, whether it's with my grandchildren, whether I'm with my friends, whether I'm with my coworkers, whether I'm just out and about. We all have that sense of respect and dignity that we all want to have. And we want people to give us that sense of respect and dignity because of who we are. And God gives that to us because we see what it is to abide in Christ. We have that sense of respect and dignity that God gives us because He gives us life. The life here, right now, that He wants us to enjoy and the life that is to come. Eternal life. And then we see that as we invite in Christ that we just want to have more and more and more of God in our lives. We want to have that sense of the love of Christ more and more. We want to have a sense of the Word of God in our lives more and more. All of a sudden we have a sense of an attitude of prayer that we are praying for people that we never thought that we could pray for before. Because we've been changed so much because we understand how important we are as branches of the vine. The vine of Christ. The good news of Christ. The gospel of Christ that we represent. So it is my hope and prayer that we remain true to ourselves as followers of Jesus Christ. True to who we are in Christ. True to what God wants us to represent in Christ. True to ourselves in Christ because it is there that we see the call of life that God wants us to have in the present and in the future that we do not need to fear because you and I are the branches of the vine of the gospel of Jesus Christ that was before the creation of the world and it will continue after this world is done. Amen. It's wonderful to have you all here this morning. I'm glad to see that our attendance went up 100% from last Sunday, and it's always good. It's good to have you all here. Please uh, join me as we sing the doxology, and it's hymn number 549. 549. Praise God.
Our call to worship is hymn number 703. May you always be joyful in your life in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Show a gentle attitude toward all. The Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything, but in all your prayers, ask God for what you need. Always asking him with a thankful heart. And God's peace, which is far beyond human understanding, will keep your hearts and minds safe in Christ Jesus. Amen. Our first hymn this morning is number 480, Savior, Like a Shepherd, Lead Us. Number 480, Savior, Like a Shepherd, Lead Us. Gracious God, Lord, it is so good that we can come to worship you here in this chapel, and God, we do not take this opportunity or this freedom for granted, and we praise you and we thank you for it. And God, it is during this time as we pray to you that we think about the needs and requests in our lives, the needs of family members and of friends the needs of our fellow patients throughout this medical center, the needs of the staff that are working today, the needs of the, patient, the family members that will be visiting their loved ones as patients here today. And God, we also just call to mind the different things in our lives that you just want us to pray for, the people that perhaps we have had contact with this week that we haven't had in a long time, and 
Lord, right now you're calling them to our minds in prayer as your Spirit leads and directs us. And God, as always, as we come to you with an open heart and an open mind, we are looking for that direction of your Spirit that gives us an opportunity to make things right with you so that in that relationship, our hearts can be right with others as well. And Lord, we just ask you to hear those prayers as we are expressing them. And Lord, that your Spirit would say those things in truth and in all honesty about ourselves that many times words cannot express. And Lord, once again, we praise you and we thank you for this opportunity that we can come and worship you. And we are so thankful that you taught us to pray by saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Thank you for praying with me this morning. Our next hymn is number 477, I am thine, O Lord. Scripture reading this morning comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 8, beginning with verse 8. I am not commanding you 
but I want you to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. And here is my judgment about what is best for you in this matter. Last year you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. Now finish the works so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it. According to your means, for if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. Amen. Let us pray. God, I just want to thank you for the companionship of the Spirit that is here with us today. And Lord, I am so thankful that that Spirit is represented individually of everyone that is here that comes and worships you. Because, Lord, they know you as their own personal Savior. And it is in that fellowship that we commune together as one body of believers in your Son, Jesus Christ. Help me now, I pray, in Christ's name. Amen. Well, the last couple of weeks, we've been having a discussion about the competence that we need to have and what we believe in as being followers of Jesus Christ, the confidence that we should have in having a deeper confidence in Christ, and of course that leads to the decisiveness in our leadership, our decisiveness in our decision-making process because we have the confidence in Christ which gives us the confidence that we need to have to make those decisive decisions in our own lives as we endeavor to follow God's will, but also we help others in the same decisiveness because as we lead by our own example in the lives in which we are part of, the lives that we share with others, we also bring others to Christ so they too can have the same competence, confidence, and decisive decision-making process that we have. And it's a continual cycle. It's a continual cycle that God wants us to have in our own lives, but also to share that with others. So this morning, we're going to talk about the whole idea of the decisiveness that we can have in our lives as being followers of Jesus Christ and wanting to understand God's will better for our lives, but also to give direction to others so they too can be decisive. I found an interesting quote this week as I was doing the things that I need to do, hopefully to prepare and provide for you the best sermon possible that I can give. And I found this quote from John Quincy Adams. If your actions inspire others to dream more, learn more, do more, and become more, you are a leader. I'll say that again. If your actions 
inspire others to dream more, learn more, do more, and become more, you are a leader. So did you ever think about that? You know, we've talked about leadership here in the chapel from time to time in terms of leading others to Christ, in terms of expressing that leadership as people see our lives as an example. But you know, you and I are leaders. Individually, collectively, we are leaders. Because when we interact with each other as followers of Jesus Christ, we should have actions that inspire others to dream more, to learn more, to do more, become more. And if we're doing any of those things, you are a leader. And so I want to thank you for all of you here this morning that are expressing your leadership in coming to worship this morning. Because you had to make a conscious effort to come here. There is no reason for you to come here other than the fact that you wanted to be here. And I am so thankful that that is the reason that you came, because you wanted to be here, because you wanted to worship God. And that is a way in which you inspire others. And in that way you also inspire others to dream more, the desire to learn more, because collectively when we're learning, it's interesting, when you're in a classroom setting and even here in worship, we learn from the presence of others by the prayers that we offer collectively, by the scriptures we read, by the hymns that we sing together, by the communion that we will be taking here at the end of the service. All of us provides an opportunity and it gives us that motivation and that encouragement for us to do more in our lives because we realize that as followers of Jesus Christ, we are not alone. That there are other people that are like-minded. There are other people that want to worship God the way that we worship. And that's always an encouragement. So your presence this morning in this chapel is expressing leadership to others. It is expressing leadership to me. It is encouraging me by the fact that we are all here together wanting and desiring to know God better, to have a deeper and a closer relationship with Him. And we do that in a like-minded way that is a collective way in which we worship. So as we think about the process and understand the confidence that we want to have in Christ, that gives us the confidence that we have in Christ, and now we come to the whole idea of the decisiveness that we have in Christ and the leadership examples that he puts forth for us to follow. And it is something within our own lives that we need to understand. And as the Corinthians were told and as they were reminded of, of the grace that God had given them through his son, Jesus Christ. And in the same way, for us, we have that same grace. Understanding that grace of God's unmerited favor to us. And it has been given to us abundantly. It has been given to us in which it is a cup that is truly overflowing. It is the grace in which you and I can only have salvation 
in Christ. Because it is not something that we can do on our own. It's not something that we can earn. It's not something that we can barter for. It's not something that we can buy. It is something that is freely given by God. But it is in that grace that God wants us to do something with it. It is in that grace that God gives to each and every one of us abundantly. God wants us to do something with that. He wants to partner with us in sharing that abundant grace that God has given us to others. And we are given the example in the scriptures here this morning about Jesus Christ being poor for our sake and being in poverty so that we might become rich. And it is in that richness of God's grace that God has given to us abundantly that he wants us to share with others. And it is in that grace that God bestows upon each and every one of us as we come to know Jesus Christ as our own individual personal Savior, that God partners with us Because when we take that grace and that is freely given, we are doing something with it because we desire to serve God. And as we talked about last Sunday, the ultimate truth that we believe, I think collectively as followers of Jesus Christ, that is out there. The ultimate truth of what we believe in in God as followers of His Son. The ultimate truth of what we believe in that is in salvation. The ultimate truth of what we believe in in terms of eternal life. And it is in that grace that God shows and demonstrates abundantly to us that he wants us to take that richness and he wants us to invest it in others. He wants it to pass it on to others. Because when we pass on that richness, the grace that God has has given us, it grows It multiplies in the lives of other people in which you and I have contact with. And in doing so, we are expressing the decisiveness that God wants us to have, the decisiveness that God wants us to have in leading others to Him. Because unless we understand the confidence that we have in Christ, that gives us the confidence that we have in Christ, that shows us the decisiveness that we have in Christ, we put it to work, we put it to action by showing the grace that God has given us. That Christ became poor for us. That Christ went through his poverty for us. That you and I may be enriched. And it is given to us abundantly. It is given to us again and again and again and again and again. And that decisiveness that God wants us to show to others in our own lives and for us personally as well is what do we do with that abundant grace that he has given us? I think another good word here that would be a, not a substitution, but a word that would go along with the word grace is freedom that God gives us. So when we think about the abundant grace that God has given us, I think we also need to to put the word in there, the abundant freedom that God has given us through His grace. 
And so what do we do with that freedom? And in the same way as we identify the partnership that we have with God's grace, we also have a partnership with God's freedom. And what do we do with that freedom? What do we do with that spiritual freedom that God has given to every one of us through his grace in such abundant ways? Do we show it? Do we explain it to others? Do we demonstrate it? Is it in our words? Is it in our actions? Is it in our deeds? Is it is in our conversation? Is it in our thoughts? It is, is it in our prayers? Because that grace that we have been given abundantly, it is that grace that we have been given that examples give us that freedom that we have. It is something that we need to examine on a continuous basis. It's not just a one-time event. God's grace is an ongoing process for your life and for my life. God's abundant grace that gives us that abundant freedom is an ongoing process within our own lives. And it never ends. It never stops. It is a continuous process. Because in doing so, we understand what is truly the best for us. And as we look around in our lives, the Corinthians were given instruction as to what they needed to do to finish the work they had started. And in the same way, we need to finish the work that God has started in us through that same abundant grace, through that same abundant freedom that has been given to us. And we need to continue that work, and that's why it's a continuous process. Because you and I are not completed yet. Our work is not done. Our work only begins when we come to know Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. It doesn't end there. It is only the beginning. And we should encourage each other to finish the work in which God has begun in you. To finish the work in which God has begun in me. And yes, individually, we take detours. We get off the path that God wants us to be on. But God, because of his abundant grace, is continuously petitioning us, begging us, asking us to come back to the, to the right path, to the right path of living, to the right path of understanding the relationship that God truly wants us to have with him. Because he knows that the work in us is not complete and that we need to continue to finish that work that God began in us. Do not ever give up on yourself because God has not given up on you. The other day I was having a conversation with Lynn and I was just sharing with her that I was kind of 
frustrated with myself because all of a sudden I understood some things for the first time in my life. Does that make sense? And you're like, man, I wish I would have known those things 10 years ago, or I wish I would have understood those things 20 years ago. But then I also told Lynn, the positive side of that is, I am so thankful that I know those things now as I go forward with my life because I know that my life will be better now because of what I know. And I am so glad that God revealed to the, those things to me now than never revealing those things to me ever. Does that make sense? So a lot of times we're like, oh man, you know, if I would have known this 20 years ago, I would have done something differently. Yes, I think all of us in self-examination would feel the same way and make the same statements. But the positive side is, is God has revealed to you right now, and you've come to an understanding of that grace and what it means to you right now. And so that as I had to think about it and be thankful that God revealed it to me, right now, not 10 years from now in the future, or 20, or never. I had to say, God, thank you for revealing it to me right now. Because I know now and I understand a little deeper about what my relationship is with you. And you know what? That is a sign of maturity that you have and that I have when we take that moment of revelation that God gives us when we finally put certain pieces of the puzzle of our life together and there's a lot of things in my life that are still incomplete there's still a puzzle but there are times when all of a sudden a section of my life and all the puzzles come together and all of a sudden it makes perfect sense and I just want to say thank you God for the time when I've had those revelations that you've given to me and I would encourage you to Say thank you to God when those same revelations in your own life all of a sudden make sense to you. And instead of having that hindsight, right, which is 2020 and perfect vision, and we begin to say, if only this and if only that, you know what? God's grace covers all of those. God's grace covers those if only moments. God's grace covers if I had known better and if I had perfect hindsight and different things, God's grace covers all of that. That's the abundance that God gives us. That's the continuous process that God gives us. That's the reminder that in our relationship with Christ, He was made poor and went through poverty so that you and I become rich. So when you have those moments that God gives you that understanding about how you're able to finally put some things together and all of a sudden it makes sense and you feel at peace and you feel at rest and you have that aha moment and you go forward, that is that grace that God is revealing to you. And it is in that richness that you have that we take that and we make those decisive decisions within our lives in which we follow God's will the way it is meant to be followed. And then we see in a, a beautiful way the practical application of those things that God gives us. 
And it is in that practical application that we see and is summarized in the last verse in which our gift is acceptable according to what one has. To what one has. Not according to what one does not have. So when you go before God, you have those moments of personal revelation and you say to God, God, you know, I don't have this and I don't have this and I don't have this and I don't have that and I don't have... No, no. We come before God with who we are and what we have in God. The has part of what one has in God. Not what we would like to have, not when we make comparisons to others and what they have, but what we have, what one has. And that's the practical application of what we've learned when we understood the competence that we need to have in Christ. It is what one has as a follower of Jesus Christ. And through that competence, we have that confidence in knowing Jesus Christ. It is what one has. And as we take those two elements together and we go to the third in which God wants us to make those decisive decisions as we endeavor to follow his will for our lives, it is one that we don't have, but we have. We have the things of God. It's what one has in our lives that makes us to be able to make those decisions in a positive direction as we move forward. And we take those revelations that God has revealed to us because it is what one has and we make those decisions and as we go forward we become more competent in Christ. We become more confident in Christ. And then we take those elements as one has and we become more decisive in the practical application of our lives. The application that applies to us personally, the practical application of what applies to us as we interact with others. Because it is in that process that your actions will inspire others to dream more, to learn more, to do more, and become because you are a leader as a follower of Jesus Christ. You are a leader in being a disciple of Jesus Christ. You are a leader by taking the grace that God has given you and that God has given me so that in our decision-making process we make it decisively because those decisions are being made in a Christ-like manner that glorifies the truth of God through His Son, Jesus Christ, that is in our lives. Amen. Let us take a few moments and prepare our hearts together in communion. And it is a public act of worship in which we decisively, when we take the cup, 
we take the host. We do so because we have the confidence in Christ that gives us the confidence in which each time we take the cup and we take the host and we partake together because of what we believe in, in Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Our gracious God, we are so thankful that you have reminded us that you want what one has. And God, we are so humbled by that. And Lord, we would ask that you would take what one has and that you would use it to your glory to further your kingdom in our lives and to further the kingdom in others. And Lord, we thank you that you forgive us of our sins, that you give us that abundant grace that provides to us the abundant freedom that we have in you. Thank you, God. In Christ's name, amen. receive from the Lord what I also pass on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us partake together. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let us partake together. Please join me in our closing hymn, number 476. Give your best to the master. Give up your best. 
Amen. So we leave this day and we go forward this week with competence, confidence, and decisiveness as followers of Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Our gracious God, we are so thankful, Lord, and we praise you for those things in which you have enriched our lives. And we are so thankful that you give us those moments of understanding of what your grace truly is for us. And God, we praise you when those moments occur in our lives. And we say thank you. And now may the peace of God that passes all understanding be with you now and forevermore. Amen. Thank you for coming.